Welcome to Chatterbox Hub podcast. We aim to be your go-to resource for insights, advice, and engagement with all things audio, and not only. I'm Yulia Stancheva, your host. In this episode, we continue to explore the exciting world of video games, from auditions and recordings to translation and localization. Everything you need to know to make your game a global success. This time I chat with the localization and voiceover agents and project managers, Joanna Shioka and Luciano Cipolla, and Chatterbox Voices Managing Director and Voice Actress, Camilla Luxton. This is how the exciting journey of this podcast started with the four of us together, recording our first episode in Alchemy Post Studio One called December. Yeah. It was 2019, wasn't it? Was it 2019? Oh my goodness me. It's like the, the year of erasal. It's like just erase 2020. <laughs> it never happened. Yeah, it never happened. We were just having a long, <laughs> just <laughs> beauty sleep. A long nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it feels um, strange to, to be all of us together <clears throat> in the <throat> studio after such a long time. Yeah. And after having to do all those interviews for the podcast remotely, yeah. suddenly I'm facing my guests. <laughs> Safely distanced, <Yeah>. though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about localization then. This is something that all of you are, are very much aware of. Uh, you are involved in the process of localization on a daily basis and you would be the perfect, you know, experts. Let's get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> the first uh, question will be, why localization is so crucial for the success of the video game? Localizing a game depends on so many factors. One of them being obviously what your budget is, how big the game is. Uh, but I think as soon as you start introducing elements like stories or, you know, characters, characterization and all those things, then you will probably have to look into, localize, you know, consider localizing your video game. Yeah, if you want to reach out to a much a, wider, a wider audience. Exactly and you want to make a bigger revenue from your game, obviously right. you have to consider getting it out there and uh, reaching so many different regions across the globe. Right. Um, and you have to be very specific about what you have to do in order for your game to be authentic for each specific region. We know what can happen when the localization is not being done properly. We know that there will be a backlash, there will be a disappointment uh, from the fans, and the fans can be unforgiving. The, the hardest thing is that you need to create something in the localized language, which is as authentic as the original. And that's, you know, the process. How do you get from A to B? How do you, um, how do, you do that when you, so you have to rely on a good translation? Yeah. But a lot of the work actually have something, happens in the studio. The adaptation, the yeah. finding out, the playing around with characters and finding the life and the, uh, the, the real aspects of, of, of the characters. Yes, we've kind of experienced all aspects of what can go wrong and what can go really, really well. I think we, like you said, Julia, I think fans are, they have massive attention to detail. Yeah. To what's mm -hmm. going on in the game and they can pick up on things that mm -hmm. maybe accidentally you, you will have missed out. Yeah. Because um, there's so much to look at, right? Mm. You know, even when you're watching a film or reading a book, you're so involved in it that you will pick up on those things. Gamers are very much involved yeah. in their gaming experience. They wouldn't expect anything less than authentic. Right. I think when the experience is like, as a player, if you're, you know, if, if you stumble across a game and functionality-wise, you, you have some problems, right? So maybe, you know, you, you can go through walls when you're not supposed to or you can jump 
five meters high when you can only jump one meter high. These kind of like more technical issues, I feel like gamers can kind of be okay with it. They can be accepting of the fact that, you know, some technical issues can happen and they can be fixed later on. But when it's about like actual cultural content or Mm -hmm. just a a simple translation, um, some players are really keen on all of that. They will base the quality of a game based on how the translation is. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't as important 10 years ago, but I think since how big consoles have been lately and access to, you know, really smooth and powerful games on your mobile phone, localization has literally gone up the roof, you know. Yeah, and particularly with a big game, there might have been several translators, say... Mm. Um, one translator per main character, for instance, and maybe they have gone for slightly different words for, say, shield or something else. It's about um, being able to spot that in the session so we don't have discrepancies in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the player is, is encountering the same kind of scene but with different characters and then certain objects are called something different. That would that would throw you out of the um, the sort of fantasy world you're living in as a gamer, wouldn't it? But again, going back to it, a lot of these things are spotted in session and you you need to go back to the context and see. Um, or in, for instance, you know, there can be things in the script that it doesn't show you where the player is at or who the player is talking to, when, so who, who the character is talking to, how far away he is from other characters and things like that. So you you need to explore a lot of this in sessions. So actually, it's a really slow process in in sessions. You can't get through, a, you know, massive amounts of text in one hour. Especially when we do one particular game that the director that's selected to direct the whole yeah. of the sessions does his homework before mm-hmm. he actually goes in. So we've had a great director for one project who actually played the game beforehand knew what was happening how words had to be said so he flagged up a lot of these things before starting but obviously just like Camilla said you can't notice these things until you actually start the recording Mm -hmm. and have to say oh actually we need to stay consistent because this voice has said this word Mm -hmm. and now another voice is saying another word for this particular object yeah so it's good to have the director as well as a linguistic from the company itself mm-hmm. or the translator there yeah. to listen in to be able to adapt and make changes mm. to the script. That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah, I think with the um, kind of like the, the first team responsible for looking into that is the translators because they will be able, they will be the first ones. They will be the, the first guard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They'll have access to the source earlier than anyone else. And that is the moment to kind of like read through, you know, the script and point out some things that could raise some concerns. So I'm thinking like Grand Theft Auto, which is like a massive game. And it's very graphic, very explicit, very violent, lots of swear words. And and to localize that, because obviously it's written mostly from an American perspective, right? It's very complex. How do I go about translating swear words mm-hmm. do i do it in a literal way if i do that what do I, what are my risks so you adapt according you to, to adapt. what is normal in your yes. country right you have to because yeah. it wouldn't be fine for example maybe in italy mm-hmm. to 
have a lot of insults, you know, related to religion yeah. or to gods or stuff like that. So maybe you would have a different approach to that. But again, yeah. it, I think as well, it has to do with the intention of your game. This is something that Anisia from Alpha, who I have right. already interviewed, was saying that when they translate, they don't always go for the exact meaning, but for the intention. Right. Mm. You have to. Yeah. Because, and that's why I think it's so fundamental that translators have the opportunity to speak to the developers, to the designers, to understand what do you want to achieve with this game? Yes. You know, and what is the story? What, what was your inspiration? Mm. What are you trying to tell with your story? It's a great way so, to start building that relationship. Yeah. And, but unfortunately, it's not always the case, right? Mm. Because of time limitations and maybe some people are based in one place, some are in others. So it doesn't always work. But maybe just having a, like Joe said, having just a PDF mm-hmm. or something that anyone can look at and be like, okay, this is what they're trying to do. Yeah. That helps a yeah. lot. So, and then second stage, I would say, is the localization part where, you know, you have uh, the director, if you're recording the game in the studio, that can flag issues. Yes. Uh, but I think major responsibility then relies to the LQA testing team. Yeah. Um, who is after the translator, the only team that can look at the entire game with all the elements in it, the audio, the sound effects, uh, the graphics, and raise all these issues, cultural or or, or technical, Yeah, you know? The LQA um, testing is part of the localization process, which is the last fundamental step before the sign-off. Right. So... It is really You have to crucial. do it then. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you'll end up having a half-finished product, um, which, you know, the good thing with like patch releases or DLCs is that you can update the game even after it's been published, right? But then you, you still have that kind of period where the game isn't as it should be and people are experiencing that um, until you have the update that then will fix those issues. But... It's, yeah, it's, it's not easy and it doesn't always go to plan, right? So you'll have delays or you can find an issue that is so crucial that it will delay the process by a month. And the level of care is something that gamers appreciate, especially for games that have a strong story arc that relies on good communication. What is the overall care that U.S. agents and uh, project managers can provide to clients? So when a new client comes to you, and they want to voice their game in many different languages. And they need you to step in as their yeah. almost partners, isn't it, in this adventure? Yeah, it is. It's, they have their skills, we have our skills, you know, and that's how we partner. We, we're specialists in what we do, they're specialists in what they do. And it's about understanding their vision and see how we can help translate and adapt that into the different languages. Uh, so, yeah, you really need to understand the message of, of what they are trying to do, like you were saying. And you have that um, super important job to organize the casting. And I'm sure that you as, um, as agents will need to have a lot of background information about the game. You need to, to know the specific requirements and you need to know who will eventually fit the bill. Right. I think it's the, probably the most fun process. Mm-hmm. It's a good partnership, you know. Yes. Um, and I think it's crucial that we get to understand if you have 
let's say you're casting for seven different characters, that we understand how do these characters differ from one another? Because I could assign one talent to voice all seven, ask them to change their voice a little bit, and maybe you won't end up with something as unique as you thought it would be. So knowing and understanding the environment of the world in which this game is set, what the characters are. Even the age range, the, right. you know, the background information of each character, race, gender, it's it's contributes to everything that once me and Luciano read the brief and see what they're searching for, then we know who to assign the casting briefs to. Yeah. Um, for example, we have many castings that come to us and they have a certain age range, but we can say, actually, this person could actually adapt yeah. and make it work. Mm. But then we know some wouldn't be able to do so. But with when it comes to any games um, castings, it's it's really good fun that we can just sit, read the briefs, then we sit together and we say, okay... These are the people who we think for this character. These are the people for this character and so forth and send it out. And then I think after is another fun thing for us is listening to all the yeah. So You listen to all of the auditions that have been submitted. Yes, I can say we are agents who sit and listen to every single casting. And I mean, we could be so busy, but we feel that we want to provide the client the best product. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, we've listen to a few that have just been we can't hear you oh my god mm -hmm. this doesn't sound great so had we not listened to it we would have just sent it to the client and they would have dismissed that person yeah. or thought oh why have they sent this to us yeah. unfortunately some people don't sound like the person so from we, the reels correct so we've we've kind of taken it on board to say maybe we won't put them forward for that job but we've had a past um job where I think one of our voice talents actually did audition for a, a role that we thought he would be great yeah. for and actually came back to us and he didn't sound great did he yeah we knew the the potential yeah. so we were expecting like a level of energy yeah that wasn't in that first audition and what we did was exactly that we listened to all of it and we took some time to give mm -hmm. actual feedback, feedback. Yeah. and It wasn't a discouraging kind of feedback. It wasn't, sorry, this isn't good, goodbye. It was, you know, f try and follow these directions. Just giving guidance. Exactly, right. Reiterating certain points and yeah. making sure you follow these really well. Mm -hmm. Because that's the key that's going to allow you to land a role or not. Yeah. Right? So we did that. And did the person take these uh, comments on board? Yeah, absolutely. He he took it on board, thanked us, did another audition for us and landed the job. Wow. Mm, you know, really? it's it was I think with any voice actor or actor, they're used to being told mm. or directed or given feedback, mm. I assume Camillo. It's yes. it's a it's part of it nice. it's part of your job um to have that feedback. So why not tell them? do it a second time, here is our feedback. Yeah. And then he came back, smashed it, got the role, and it was actually one of the main roles. Oh, fantastic. So yeah. he got the main role. I love that yeah. story. And it's it's it just shows that, you know, we take the time. You know, we've had some castings where we've had to listen to over hundreds of auditions. And, you know, 
as agents, you tend to, after a while, have to t- step back because you've listened to so many, you've, mm. you don't have any feedback anymore because they all just entwine and sound yeah. the same. <laughs> so you have to go back and then and then start again. But obviously, you know, these particular roles, we have to ensure that they are, they sound good for when we mm. deliver to our client because yeah. that's yeah. what... That's what we want to deliver. We want to deliver great auditions and then you get the job. Yeah. And this is why it is so important for you, the agents, to know a lot about the background uh, of the of the video game story. Mm. So you would know what the client is looking for. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting as well with localization that whatever, say the original was English or American English and then you localize it into Spanish or French or any other language and then it's not necessarily going to be a copy, you know, it's not going to be a copy or paste of the original because maybe, um, say, take Norwegian as an example then. So um, a lot of American dubbing and video games is very high-pitched voices and that would not work in Norwegian because we tend to have much lower voice range. So it's about having that understanding as well and daring to not just copy because the way games recordings most often happen is that the original line is played for reference Um, in or- the audio reference is played and then the actor is matching the length and the style of that often. But if if the style doesn't correspond with what works in that culture, then you have to, t- to only use that audio reference for length and dare to actually create something completely new. That's why improvisation comes as a skill. Huh? Yeah, but that requires a really good director who understands yeah. that, you know, and who understands the the local market as well. And yeah. To bring these characters to life. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also I'm sure that sometimes the client's vision for a particular character can differ from your vision of who would might be the best voice to fit mm. this character. It is very yeah. tricky because mm. ultimately it's not up to us exactly, to make yeah. that decision. Sometimes it can be, right? Because mm. we are given like kind of some, sometimes you're given free reign on the casting. Yeah. You know? when you have like multiple parties involved that mm. need to have their say, it's a bit more complicated. But I think one thing we tend to do is we always kind of push for the client to at least give an opportunity to the talent we're suggesting mm-hmm. to just kind of do a, a quick audition. Yeah. But maybe you'll be surprised. Mm. And you can be surprised because you you really don't know the range that some actors have, mm. you know. They can do so many things with their voices. Yeah. And it's surprising. Yeah, you have That's to give surprising. them the opportunity to to show right. their mm. talents. Yeah, so I guess you, you can be an influencer. You can, by giving different options, saying, have you thought of this, like I said. And that's, but that, that should, then you already have a good partnership in place. If right. It allows yeah. that yes. to happen. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It doesn't always, but yeah. when it does, it's, yeah. yeah. Do you have any tips for voice actors who want to work in video games? With anything new that you haven't been involved in before, you need to learn about it. So mm. I'm not asking you should buy the latest PS5 mm-hmm. or, you know, a 5K computer, but play some games. Get to know some game terminology yeah. or, or just kind of like look for the most important titles that have kind of made history in the mm-hmm. video game industry. So, I don't know, Super Mario or... Mm. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog, absolutely. I used to play it. I used to play it too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are so many games that have kind of made... I'm going to say history, because they have in some form. Mm. You know, we've had movie ab- adaptations yes. from fil- from games. We know of, like, partnerships between 
composers, musicians, and video games. Mm. You know, it's like a film. It goes yeah. together, right? And it's even much harder to create a video game than a 90 minutes uh, long film. It can be, for yeah. sure. And yeah. it can also be a lot more costly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I remember someone saying, a games developer saying that the beauty of games, if, if you... Um, if you look at cinematics in games and, and cinema, the role of the player in, in, in the game is so empowering that you can actually visit really difficult topics because you have, um, you have control as, to right. some extent as, as the player, which you don't when you watch a film. That's true. Because so you're faced with decision-making as well, right? Mm, so that, that's, that's really interesting, I think. But yeah, I would say just my first advice would be definitely play some games. You know, there's a lot of free games online, on consoles, mm. on your phone. And that's the first step. You need to understand how games operate. Yeah. You know, what, what, what elements usually compose a game? When I'm playing a game in, in British English or American English, what are the trends mm -hmm. of, you know, how, how are characters usually portrayed? And I think that's helpful to see, you know, okay, this game is targeted to 10-year-old kids. What kind of voice... Do we usually, rep you know, what can we usually see mm -hmm. or hear in the game? And I think that's good research to do for sure. And it's the same, you know, if you're an actor, you we'd expect you watch films and read books, right? Because yeah. yeah. you like art. It's the same with video games. You want to get involved in video games, learn about it. Again, there are some games that have absolutely no story in them. They're still games. They don't necessarily require voice, you know, actors. voice actors. Some do. But look at the games with like that are purely story driven. That's where the market really is headed now. People want to experience stories and they want to play relatable, real characters, even in a fantasy world, you mm -hmm. know, but they have they have a human touch to them that is relatable. Yeah. So learn about that. That's that's my my advice. Anything else you would like to add? I concur. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, th I think, um, you know, part, part of the job as a, as a games actor is also to have the ability to visualize because the reality is that you will be there in session and you'll be given a spreadsheet, you know, or yeah. similar of just lines and there may not be any pictures or anything, yeah. you know, or storyboard or anything. They may so. sound like out of context, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously with with a good director in place, we'll all, um, you know, the process will be looked after, but it's it's about, yeah, also doing your homework and, 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 and having the ability to imagine the world that you're entering. Very good point. And if a developer is wondering whether it would be worth localizing their latest Apple game, what would you tell them? Well, of course, come to us. <laughs> <laughs> Find the money, do it. <laughs> what would I tell them? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily speak to a developer himself because, you know, they usually just mostly deal with the technical side of things. I probably want to speak to the designers. It always comes down to what we were saying earlier, you know, like, how big is your project? Does it actually require localization? You know, we're obviously advocates for localization, but we also understand you don't always have the possibility to localize a video game. It's it's important for you as a designer, developer, whatever, to know, you know, how, how big do you want this to be? Do you want to ensure 
that people in Italy or in Bulgaria or in France or whatever you want can fully understand that experience and relate the game to it. and relate to it, yeah. especially if there's story in it. Um, I think it's getting kind of rare now to have games that aren't localized, especially when there's like a massive story to yeah. it. Mm. It's fundamental that we now do that, that we do localize everything we produce. Um, but then realistically, we have to look at, is it feasible? Um, is it worth it? Yes. Because if what if the game is a flop? Mm-hmm. What if it's not as successful as I thought it would be? And here mm-hmm. comes another really last question that I want to ask, uh, which is in relation to what you have just said. Which game localization practice is the best? Post-gold localization, which is done after you have already sold your product to your primary audience, basically after you have um, struck the pot of gold, or simultaneous shipping, which is done as part of the game's development cycle and usually takes a long time. When you're developing a game, let's say it starts off as an English um, project, you are going to create that game from that mindset and mentality. So if the game is produced in the UK, let's just assume it's following the story of an English boy, you will have all these feelings and sensations typical of the UK, of an English experience and so on. If you then want to localize that game in French, Italian, German, etc., it's only during the localization process that you can flag certain issues, which can be so big that you might have to reconsider some aspects of your game, even in English, right? Mm -hmm. It can be a particular scene or a a mission or a quest in the game. I'll give you an example, right? Let's say the the mission is you need to go on the first floor and find this missing key. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe in America, the first floor is the equivalent of the UK's ground floor. So... But in Bulgaria, for example, there is no ground floor. There is only first floor, second floor, etc. Okay, interesting. Whereas in Italy, you do have a ground floor and you Mm -hmm. have a first floor, which which are not the same thing. So if in English I'm designing a quest or a mission that tells the character, sorry, the player, go on the first floor and find the key. As an Italian player playing in English, Mm -hmm. assuming I'm not localizing the game, I'm playing in English and I think, aha, I need to go on the first floor, so I need to go up the stairs and find the key. Yeah. But then I don't find any stairs, mm. right? Mm, this will be very so, disappointing experience. Exactly. I'm experiencing, frustrating. Yes. So not only am I experiencing frustration, yeah. but I'm also thinking this game is badly designed. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah. then you're judging a game from the experience you're giving me, yeah. which is totally linked to language. So there's a lot of these things we need to, you know, take into consideration. And the reason why it's crucial, especially for large games, is because then you have the time to fix those things before the game is released. Once the game is released, we've mentioned this, it's out there. Mm. With the power of internet, everyone has a voice. Yes. You will have nasty comments in your YouTube channel. You'll have nasty comments on blogs. That can be detrimental for their success in the game, yeah. Some things are inevitable. You know, mistakes happen. If you can avoid them. If you can avoid them, then that's... At that initial stage of the creating of the game. Yeah. So I'm definitely a fan of that. If it's a tiny game with, like, just some lines in a settings menu and there is no kind of 
voiceover at all, then you may not necessarily want to do that. And you may want to publish your game and or your app and think, how is this performing? And then consider, okay, maybe it's worth localizing in German. Yeah. And then see how German performs. Maybe let's do French and Italian yeah, and so like on, do it right? Gradually, step yes, by step. Yes. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Luciano, the spokesman. <laughs> spokesman for games, everybody. <laughs> part, part of your career, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I have, you know, played games in my life. <laughs> Maybe too much sometimes. All right. Well done. Thank you, Yulia. Thank you, Yulia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the Luciano show. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, rate it and leave a review. And if you want to hear more of the brilliant agents Joanna Shioka, Luciano Cipolla and Camilla Luxton, check out episodes 1 and 3, where they continue generously to share their insight into the world of voiceovers while showering us with their awesome sense of humor and funny jokes. Oh!